Today we're talking about the Bible in English translation. I'm specifically wanting to talk about uh, how important the Bible is and how it is that in, a, in, in the kind of world that we're in that there's an, a, there's an attack on the Bible. And so uh, we're going to talk about how it manifests itself in different ways. Now, <clears throat> this is especially interesting to me. Two things have happened. One is there's a major report. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the Anybody ever heard of the Pew Foundation? They do religious research and, and, uh, and min- all kinds of research. They're, they're, it's a foundation that has been funded with uh, uh, millions of dollars to, to figure certain things out. And, and there's been a recent, uh, well, there have been a lot of recent releases, but I'm going to talk about one in particular, and I'll tell you how you can find it. It's the, so they spent millions of dollars to find out what are people reading as a Bible? How do people feel about the Bible? And so we're, I'm going to take a look at that. Now, this is also very interesting to me. Because uh, through the years, uh, of course, I'm a preacher and I, I'm, that's, that's my calling. But as a part of that calling, years ago when I uh, was in high school, when I first got the revelation, got the Holy Ghost, and my folks weren't saved. And it, just a long journey for me to get into the church. And I was already an ancient language. I was studying ancient language as a young boy in high school. I know you say, oh, my goodness, I never heard of that. Well, uh, you, you just heard about it. Um, I was studying ancient language, and I was into Latin in those days. And, and I was able to, because I was uh, pretty good at it, I was able to, um, to get scholarships and so on. So I earned a scholarship to uh, university. I, I ended up... Uh, turning it down later and going to a Bible college because I got baptized and so on. I felt like, oh, I got it. And it felt like the Lord led me and he did lead me there. But in, anyway, in all that process, I became like really, really interested in Bible translation and in uh, uh, studying languages, especially Bible languages. Well, Latin is a Bible language. Now, the original Bible was not in Latin, but the very first language that the Bible was translated into was Latin. But originally, the New Testament was all in Greek, and the ancient world spoke Greek. Jesus spoke Greek as well as Aramaic. And Aramaic, everybody say, praise the Lord. You're looking a little dazed. I'm wondering if you had your grits yet. How many did not get to have your grits, all right? No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's not funny. That's not funny. Okay. Um, all right. But, but that's true. And so uh, I, I studied Greek. I studied Hebrew. I, I really got into the Greek studies. I earned a degree at the university. I went to a pastor in Chicago, started a church there. And I studied at a major university in, uh, in, uh, the, on the west side of Chicago and uh, so on and so forth. In other words, I spent many, many years through the years involved in Bible translating. And involved in the debate about the Bible, because uh, just like there's Christians disagree on a lot of things, there is a there's a an attitude in the world that just sort of takes the Bible flippantly and more or less, oh, well, the Bible. And uh, and then there are folks that don't take it flippantly. And that's why I want to share this uh, little uh well, it's not little, it's a multi-million dollar survey about the uh, attitudes of Americans. Now, a lot of people think television rules, rock rules, uh, the Bible, you know, that's old, old hat, but, but not so, my friend. No, no, no. That, I mean, uh, whatever is going on in the American culture, the Bible is alive and well. Praise God. The Bible is alive and well. And that really does surprise a lot of people, but, but I've got to, I got to keep going. And, of course, the most important point that I was going to make, because I've got this behind me, I think, and that is that the original Bible, there's a white Bible there. I don't know whose it is. I just 
picked that this morning. There's a picture of a white Bible. I'll use it. And uh, the, the Bible, of course, is translated into every language of the world uh, and it, every place in the world. The Bible is the most uh, read book in the entire world. I, I, I'm not going to go into all that. I know you're afraid I'm going to. But the Bible, in other words, is the most translated book in the world, but its original language is Greek and Hebrew. The Old Testament, that is the Jewish uh, the writings of the Jewish people in the Jewish Bible, where we get Genesis and in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. All that is in Hebrew and was written in Hebrew. So that tells us something, for example, and I, 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 I don't want to preach because I really feel preachy. So I'm kind of saying, come on, pastor, hold it down. You don't want to be preaching this. You want to talk about it. You want to read a little bit and, and it's a little Bible study. Let's not get too worked up. But it is a very interesting thing that God used human language. That is to say, now God, of course, is the one that gave language. How many know that language came from God? It did not come from monkeys. It didn't come from, of course, they tried for years to teach monkeys to talk, and they gave up on that um, because they, they can't because we didn't come from monkeys. But then, they, then evolutionists decided, well, maybe we came from some other, and, and now there's this long line of non-monkey types that we, we supposedly came from. And, and so they, they've tried to figure out, well, how did, why did this group of, of, uh, 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 evolutionized creatures, we might say humanoids, why, why did this group develop language and all these others didn't? See, you have to have some theory that explains all of those things. Because the prevailing theory of our day is that, you know, well, religion, that you keep that at home. But, uh, but everybody else is living under the idea that we all came from an age of dinosaurs and that we all came from some sort of monkey-like thing. And that we evolved, and eventually, at one point, we were just a, like a tadpole. And then, you know, and how we got from tadpole, nobody knows it. Nobody, I don't care what they tell you. Nobody knows how we got from the tadpole to the monkey. They, they can tell you, well, there had to be something, and then there must have been a big this and that, and then a, must have been a lightning bolt. Forget it. They have no idea how we got from the tadpole to the monkey. But, but they're convinced of it. They're convinced, well, there was, there's this, that must prove it, and there's bones in the earth, and all of that. And so they think that trumps the, the Bible as though, well, then the Bible must not be true. But I wouldn't care how many dinosaur bones are in the earth. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. But uh, th- there could be a, a zillion dinosaur bones right under me right now. And that's not going to change the Bible one bit. The Bible's still true. Not in the Bible that says there couldn't be dinosaur bones in the earth. There are dinosaur bones in the earth. The question is, how'd they get there? And what does the Bible say? That's, and so, so the, this is what I'm saying. There's this constant going back and forth. Is there a God? Is there not a God? The most popular, oh, oh, see, I, I'm not going to say that. Oh, I almost said it. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, I was so close. Wow. Oh, I oh, can I tell that? I don't, I don't know if I could say that from the pulpit. I don't know. Oh my God, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm afraid I'm going to say it. Sister French, pray for me right now. Cause I'm, <laughs> you're praying that I will say it. Oh, oh, I thought you were praying. I wouldn't say it. Do you know what I'm going to say? Oh, you have no idea. All right. Uh, a culture where we're not sure where we came from. We're not sure if we related to some animal or if we're special in some way. Although we know that we we know that we're 
we know what we really are, but something, somebody keeps trying to tell us that we came from something else. Like uh, Carl Sagan said that we, the ocean keeps beckoning to us. Come back. I know he's brilliant. I'm not comparing myself to Carl Sagan, but I'm just saying that, that anybody that thinks the ocean's out there talking to them, come back. Meaning that we came from, from something in the ocean because that's how the theory has to work. It all has to go somewhere and have some answer. And yet the most popular modern culture movie of our day is about Noah and a worldwide flood. And right now, the number one, the number one talked about thing in in modern media is is there a god and then the movie was entitled god is dead slash not dead that's the kind of thing that's intriguing the culture that we're in why because you cannot live with nothingness my friend you need a word from god and you need the truth and the bible is that truth in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth and so when we talk about the Bible, you're talking about the greatest, the greatest book in the world. Now, I want to look at a couple things. Everybody say praise the Lord. All right, so we're, we're kind of uh, awake here. Now, let's, uh, let's see what's going to come up. I'll just do it like this instead of. Now, the first scripture is uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. Uh, it may be difficult for you to read it. I can point to it, but, uh, but I'm not going to have you read it because you, it might be a little, that, that script is a little uh, skinny. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Here's the Greek. Of course, you know, I teach Greek and I drive people crazy. All right. So this Greek word is this word. All scripture is given by the apustas. That is the, the very breath of God. That is to say, now this is what, why this uh, survey, I'm about, I want to get to the survey if, if I have to, uh, run all over this building today. I'm going to, I'm going to get to this survey. It is the most startling. They've, they've surveyed the entire United States to see how do people feel about the Bible. And uh, when I read it, I said, Lord, I'm, I'm talking about, that. I know, I know I need to do something else. I know there's other things. We plan to do other things, but I'm talking about the Bible. Folks, let me tell you something. You need to love your Bible. You need to stand on the word of God. I don't care what some egghead said. Some brilliant genius says, well, that's not possible that God could breathe words. I had one really intelligent, very brilliant. I'm not making fun. I, I know it sounds like I am. Uh, I might be making fun. No, I, I'm not trying to make fun. But basically was saying, why would God put the Bible in some human language? Like that was so, why would God use Hebrew? Hebrew. And I looked at him, and he is looking at me so, so satisfied. He was waiting for my response. Why would God put it in Hebrew? And I said, why not? Why not? What do you got against Hebrew? Well, it's not that, but you're telling me that God has some special feeling about Hebrew? No, I didn't say that. No. No, I didn't say that. But he used Hebrew because that's what he chose to do. Let me tell you something, folks. We're not smarter than God. It's time we wake up and realize we're not smarter than God is. Now, Greek, of course, became the universal language. And so when the new Jesus came, he spoke Greek and, and the New Testament was written in Greek. It made good sense. But some scholars are like, why would the Old Testament be in Hebrew? I want to tell you why. Because God chose for it to be 
It was his divine will. Now, I happen to teach Hebrew. I enjoy Hebrew. I think it's interesting. And, and of course, uh, I, I told him, I said, what, why would you have something against Hebrew? Well, that's Jewish, and that's so-and-so. Well, what, what, do you, what do you got against the Jewish people? Well, there's better languages. There's, there would, if they would have used, uh, okay, in other words, if, if you were God, you wouldn't have used Hebrew. That's what you're telling me. Well, no, I wouldn't have used Hebrew. So we were having a discussion about how much better we could have done if we had written the Bible. Of course, he'd been divorced three times. He'd had no uh, family. He could barely find his toothbrush. And, And what I wanted to say was, thank God you're not God. If you were God and you had done it in that language, we would have had it in that language. But what else would we have? Let me tell you something. God is great and he's greatly to be praised. He's awesome and mighty. He's powerful. He is a mighty and wondrous God. Now think of this. Think of this. He gave us his own word in language that could be preserved and not lost. In languages that were so uh, so capable of being maintained. For example, when, uh, oh, Jesus, let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. Let's just thank him for his word. Father, right now, I feel your presence, and I thank you for it. Thank you for what I feel and for your blessing, oh, God. Okay, here's the point. I'm, I'm getting off point because I feel this so deeply. The question in this national survey about the Bible by the Pew Foundation, just released. I'm going to show it to you. Just about to show it to you. Uses the word surprise that there are so many millions and millions of people that still believe that the Bible is breathed of God, that God actually gave the words. Now, I've sat in in classes and universities where uh, men would make fun of that whole idea. How could God do that? How could God, how could God give words and and so on? That's just men. That's just men wrote those words. Well, no, the Bible says that all Scripture was given by God breathing the words himself. Now, they may have come through human agency, which, of course, they did, which uh, is interesting, and and it may take some some thought. How did Moses write God's very words? That's, That's an amazing thing, but that's exactly what happened, and then it goes on. Now, let's look at, everybody say, praise the Lord. All right, now I'm trying to, I want to pace myself because I don't have a long time. This is a fairly brief lesson in the morning. Now, let's, um, let's look at one more scripture. I think there'll be a two here. All right, so here we see Second uh, Peter 1. I'm going to come down here because I want to um, uh, I, I walk through just a couple words here before we actually open up the survey. Uh, and so basically this morning we're talking about what has happened that so many millions of people are inspired by the word of God. Now, I never hear people say that they're surprised that people worship rock music or uh, some legend or baseball or basketball or, or, uh, or, or some movie star. Nobody, nobody. They lay at the door. Oh, if I could just touch the, the toes of the guy running. He's a famous movie star. Nobody ever says, wonder why they want to touch his toes. But if you love God and you love the word of God, then suddenly it's, wonder why so many millions of people actually care that God gave them his very word. And, and they're just astounded by it. They're like, 
in the modern world when we have iPads, people actually care? And guess what? Guess what? I, this, it may be on there. Okay, I can't tell you. I was going to tell you, but I, I'm, I'm, this whole survey, it just, it's just been like, oh, my goodness. You know what? How many knows that God's always victorious in the end? Praise God. All right, so I, I, I was going to tell you something there. I, I apologize that I, uh, I don't want to do it before we get to it. I'm, I'm almost, I, I could just say it all in one big lump, but I'm not going to. All right, so here we have the Apostle Peter telling us that, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, which let me just, let me interpret. Everyone say interpret. Okay. All right, let me interpret what what he means here. Let me explain it. Uh, Let me explain what Peter means by interpret. Let me interpret what Peter means by interpret, all right? He means that you don't have the opportunity to give it the meaning. God gives it the meaning. So no scripture is what you want it to mean. Oh, I don't have to be baptized. No scripture, you don't have any right to that. Oh, I don't believe Jesus died. Sorry. Scripture is from God. And it's what God means, not what you think it means. Someone told me this week, just this week, the Bible only means whatever I want it to mean. That's, by the way, that is the latest. I mean, I know you've almost got to be eating, uh, drinking Kool-Aid and Coke at the same time, but that is exactly what they said. And it's come from this new book by uh, a famous uh, theologian that says the Bible means whatever you want it to mean. Now, let's apply that in the real world. Let's say I w- if I want to be a racist, I can be a racist. Let's, let's say that. What would you think of that? If I want to be a racist, I'll be a racist. And if I don't want to be a racist, I won't be a racist. Is that how it works? Oh, no, suddenly we realize it doesn't work like that. If something is wrong, then it's wrong. If something's right, it's right. If somebody said one thing, they didn't say the other thing. For example, if I say don't kill, then I didn't say kill. I said don't kill. Words have meanings, in other words. So the Bible becomes this powerful means by which God gives us what he wants us to know, or we could say uh, his version of the truth, as we're to know it and understand it and love it. So no prophecy of scriptures of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. Everyone say the will of man. No, it didn't come from man's mind, man's doing. I don't mean by that that the apostle Peter wrote what we're reading right here. But this is actually the very word of God. How? Because God, well, let's, let's see. Um, uh, the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake, how? As they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, this is the Ramanoi in the, in the Greek, which is the Greek word to be, to be carried along. In other words, though Moses was writing, in the beginning was the word and the word. And as they were writing, it was the Holy Spirit that guided their hands. So they, they, they spoke the very word of God. For example, now, I know that someone said, oh, I don't believe in that. Well, that wouldn't be freedom. One guy was a man. He was just trying his best to get me off of the Bible. I, he, was, he was like, well, that's not intellectual freedom. I said, really? 
No, he said, that's not intellectual freedom. If God comes down and you're, and you're writing and then you're, you're writing the words of God. I said, well, have you, ever, have you ever had a child? And the child is writing and you say, write A. A. Is that intellectual freedom? You're the adult. You're passing the word along, and they start writing. Folks, that's how we all learn to read and write in the very, that's how he, I want to know, I ask him, is that how you learn to read and write? Did someone give you words, and then you, as you learned it, you went along with what they were telling you? That's how you knew what to do. There's nothing intellectually dishonest. That's how every human being learns to read and write in the first place. Now, I'm not saying that's exactly what happened in, in this. I'm just telling you that's an example of someone. So to claim that it's not freedom because God came along and gave us, hey, I want to tell you something, folks. I want God to talk to me. I want him to move me. I don't care what anybody thinks about it. I don't. I don't care what they think about it. I, I, I mean, I want them to think nice things and all. I'd be glad if they did, but what I'm concerned about is what God thinks about it. And so they wrote this because the Spirit of God carried them along. So even at times when they didn't even know what they... For example, everybody say prophecy. How could any man know what's going to happen thousands of years later? Only through the Spirit. So the Spirit comes along and says, write it. And they write it down. And Daniel, I mean, we, we, we could go there. We don't have time to go there. Okay, now, and so here we have exactly what the Bible is. The inspiration of Scripture is God breathed it, and the Spirit of God comes along and causes the men to write it so that it becomes God's very word. I'm going to skip all this. I want to get to, I've got to because of the uh, time. I'm going to skip this. Because this is what they're shocked about. They're shocked that the King James authorized version of the Bible has been around for going now on 500 years. We just celebrated in 2011 the 400th year of a Bible translation. And they're shocked. They are shocked. They have been trying for 150 years to say we, we, we need to change the Bible. Well, that doesn't matter what anybody thinks the Bible is. We're going to change it. All right, and there's, these are the 8,000 changes they wanted to make. It was skip that. Nobody cares about that. Okay, now here we come to the, uh, to the surprise. All these years now, I forget how long this survey w- went on. Now, the fella that's doing it, doing the survey, uh, or is the head of it, is Dr. Mark Noll. Now, he's at, uh, um, uh, what's the big Catholic university? Notre Dame. He's at Notre Dame. But before he went to Notre Dame, he was at Chicago where I pastored, and I studied Greek under him. And he was a church history professor, and I took several classes. In other words, he's a brilliant, reputable man. He left Wheaton College and later went to Notre Dame, and that's where he's at. And the Pew Foundation hired him to, to conduct this research. Now, there's many, many names. He's not the only person, but he is the main person that collected the data and oversaw, as far, at least that's why I understood it. And you're going to see his name come up. Now, this report was released. I guess I'm going to have to walk around with this. Some of you, if, if you're going to sleep, this will be the time because we've only, this, we're going to read a couple lines of this report. Now, I cut out the part that said it was surprising because that was really boring, all right? The most popular and fastest growing Bible translation isn't what you think it is. Okay, I took that right from the report. I didn't type it. I just, I just highlighted it, cut it out, and stuck it in my Bible lesson today. 
That is right from the report. The most popular and fastest growing Bible translation isn't what you think it is. In other words, you don't think it's the King James Version. Well, I did. So, sorry, wasn't true. I did think it was the King James. But they didn't because they've been spending years cutting verses out of the Bible and trying to sell those Bibles and calling them new Bibles. And in one instance, they took a Bible and they said, well, we're not going to say it's God our Father. We're going to say it's our mother. And nobody would buy it. You know why? They didn't want it. Well, but what should it matter? What, how, why should God be a father? Why should anybody say he's our father which art in heaven? Well, because God said so. He is our father. And I don't care what anybody says, the word of God is true. And well, but we've got we've to get politically correct. Well, they tried all the politically correct Bibles, and guess what? They flopped. And you know why they won't print Bibles like that? Because the whole purpose is to sell them, and, and they cost 100 bucks a pop. These brand new Bibles cost you $150 sometimes. If you get a really good, and I've got dozens of them, and I, since I teach uh, Greek and Hebrew, and I'm into language translation, I buy every translation comes out, and I look to see. And, and the first thing I do, for example, I brought one, but I'm not going to even get to it, was to see how many scriptures they're cutting out of this Bible. So I'll go through. I was looking at this morning. How many scriptures did they cut out of this Bible? So I start in Matthew, for, uh, do the Greek first. And, and you'll, you'll be amazed at, well, we're chopping this out and we're chopping that out and, and we chop this out. And then they wonder why nobody wants to buy the Bible. So it's no surprise to me. Everybody say praise the Lord. It's no surprise to me. So when Americans, here we go, when Americans reach for their Bibles, more than half of them pick up a King James or a KJV, a King James Version, which is what they didn't think what they were going to find. They were thinking that after all these hundreds of years, at least 150 years, trying to supplant the King James Bible, that the new Bibles with all the verses missing, that they were going to become as popular as any other Bible. According to a new study advised, is that what it says? Oh, advised. Oh, I missed that. Uh, obviously, then that means that he was the advisor to the research. All right, makes sense. Major professor at the University of Notre Dame. Then he goes on. Then this report goes on. The 55% that they found, 55% of all Bible readers will not read a Bible that has the verses cut out of it. They read it easily outnumbers the next one, which is the one I brought. And I brought the list of verses just in the first three chapters of Matthew that they cut out. Here it is. All right, nice little Bible. I use it. I mean, I'm not saying uh, that I wouldn't use it. I, these are interesting translators. But hey, folks, how many knows you can't cut it away from God's word? You don't take God's word and say, cut that out, cut that out, cut this out. Uh, because uh, for one thing, the Bible says not to do that. Does anybody know the Bible teaches us not to take away from the word of God? So he, they say here, 55% who read the KJV easily outnumber the 19% who read the NIV. That is the one I was just holding. And then the percentages drop way down, okay? Uh, so this is the Bible in American Life, Center for the Study of Religion and American Culture at the University of uh, Indiana University, uh, Purdue University, Indianapolis, IUPUI, funded by the Lilly Foundation. All right, so there we go. There's the first paragraph of the report. Now, there it gets better. 
Um, now, this is everything for the next little bit. We don't have much time, but let me, let me see if we have any time. All right, we do have a few seconds here. All right, I'm going to just read little tidbits of it. Now, in fact, searches for the KJV seem to be rising distinctly since, 19, since 2005. What they're saying is that they thought the King James was being used less and less, and, and then all of a sudden there's been this resurgence, and now it's, it's growing, 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 while most other English translations are staying flat or are declining According to Smith's Google research, you know, Smith's is where you want to go online, search the Bible on Google. Well, less and less people are using these where they're cutting whole chapters out and they say, well, okay, that's interesting, but let me find, let me find a King James. And they get to the, where the, the Bible is all there and then that's what they're using for research. And they're stunned. They're, they're saying, oh my goodness, surely not. Okay, now here we go. Here is, I took this this morning and you have to forgive me because I didn't have time uh, I don't know how to turn that graph. Uh, I, I couldn't think quick enough and get it done for this lesson to take that graph where you could see it better. In other words, turn it into a JPEG and so on, make it where I could have cleared it up. I just took it right out of the report from the university, IUPUI, and, uh, and, and I copied it out of the report real quick, and then I put it in my computer. I didn't have time to fix it, so you really can't see it really can't see it very good. But I thought, well, it'd still be interesting just to kind of pretend you could see it, okay? Now, on the, on the left over here, I mean, on the right over here, on your right, is the uh, list of all these different translations in the English, where they're cutting verses out and chapters out and so on. And, and they're arguing that it doesn't matter if you take things out of the Bible. That's what those translations are arguing. And, and they're listed over here. And then at the top, you have the, the, the original 400-year King James Version of the Bible. Notice, how many see this right here? Can you see that? That is all these right here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm not going, I'm not talking about which ones these are uh, because I don't have time. I would, they're all interesting translations. But here they are down here. When people are searching for the Bible, they, they might search for one of these. But look here, this is the King James. These two lines are King James translations. And uh, this is how many times people are using in a, and they're stunned by this. They, they thought, well, in a modern world, people will use their computers, their iPads, and they'll just forget about what, who cares? It's, I'll just get online. I'll just find something. But with, they're very specific. I am looking for what I believe to be the word of God. And so, now let's keep going. Everybody say, praise the Lord. All right, I, I've got to get to one more thing. I know I've got to hurry. Nevertheless, Woo! Hallelujah. All right, here we go. Nevertheless, this is the last. I won't go any, any deeper. Those of you that are, can't breathe very good, I'm, I'm going to let up here. All right? You can breathe now. All right? Now, nevertheless, I'm quoting now. Other studies also indicate that the KJV remains the translation powerhouse. Ooh, I've never heard it called that. But anyway, a 2011 LifeWay study, for example, and I'm, I'm right here, found that 62% of Americans, now that is 7% more than the Pew Foundation found, and 82% of Americans who regularly read the Bible. Oh, my goodness. I kept trying to figure out what are they shocked about? This is what shocked them. 
eight, only 18% of Americans, 18%, 18%, if they regularly read the Bible, do they use any other translation than the King James Version? After 150 years of people saying, oh, it doesn't matter, use this one, use that one, they still go back to one they know has all of the scriptures in it, and that's what they memorize. And that's what their children are memorizing. And they're saying, well, I guess, I guess we didn't account for the fact that people are going to know what the Word of God is, and that's what they're going to love. Anybody here love the Word of God this morning? It is such a powerful thing. I think we should, let's pray that God will send a revival of the Word of God all across our city. Let's do that. Father, it's so important that people know the Bible and that they understand it. And I thank you because it's, it's within our very heart and our nature, Lord, that we would, uh, that we would search the Word of God. Now, I, I'm going to have to, oh, uh, I don't want to break I, did I promise that I wouldn't go further? Did, was it, did I prom, I can't remember if I promised. Sister French, did I promise? Because a moment ago I said, I'm going to get to the iPad. And, and I can't say it because I'm going to get to it. I thought it, was, I thought it was right there in that paragraph. But that's the wrong paragraph. So I need to go to the next one. All right, here we go. I'm going to go to the next one. I saw one head shake. Oh, that's not it. Hold on, hold on. Oh, maybe I didn't. Maybe I took it out. Oh, oh. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. Now, if I'd go up there, I wouldn't have to do that. I could look and just see if it's on there. Uh, Forget that. Okay. The number one, the, the number one Bible online that people are buying, literally nine to one, in the see, I thought I thought well, if they don't know, they're probably buying this, and they don't realize half the Bible's cut out of it, and so on and so forth. And I, you know, I thought well, if they do, that's just because they don't know. If they knew they were missing half their Bible, they wouldn't do it. But guess what? Young people today are not being fooled by it. They're buying iPad and computerized versions of the Bible. It is always the King James Version of the Bible. It has all of the text, and they're reading it. And when they survey them, they say, I read the Bible every day on my iPad. And they are stunned. Let me tell you something, folks. We're living in a world where we need young people reading the Bible on iPad. Praise God. And they need to read the Word of God for what it really is. Praise God. God's word is true, and that God would give us his word. Now, I'm going to grab my, uh, my Bible. Now, this is a fair, I've got a bunch of these, of course. It's King, this King James Bible right here. I read it all the time. I have people say, why don't you read a Bible? This, this has the word the in it. Just the other day, someone was going to, you, that's got the word the in there. Yeah, it's got the word the in there. 400 years ago, the word the was pretty... Pretty popular. Well, you, you need to get rid of that and get a Bible that doesn't have the word the in there. And there is one. It's called the New King James, and it's, it's based on this, and it's a little more. But it, never, it has never been able to out. It just, it, it's popular, but nothing like this. But let me tell you something, folks. When I'm reading what God is saying to me in his word, I don't care what I have to do to understand it. This is God's word. And so this whole report, I've got to stop, but this whole report is about which parts of the Bible people love the most. Do do any of you have a favorite place in the Bible? 
Any, anybody, anybody have a favorite spot you like to read in the Bible? And they were talking about different ones. None of them were my favorite places in the Bible, but um, of course, they say that now all across America, the favorite scripture people love to read. Maybe they'll read it in the morning when they get up is the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Well, that's a great scripture. Psalm 23 is a great scripture. Why don't we just stand together and we're going to read a, a, a short verse of scripture in Psalm 23. If you have your Bible or your iPad, which we can now we will let you call that your Bible if you would like to. All right, Psalm 23. They say this is literally millions and millions of Americans. This wasn't a study of Europe. It was an American study. Psalm 23 and verse 1. We're going to read together. It's another reason it's always good to use a similar translation so we can read in unison. Let's read it together, shall we? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's praise him one more time, shall we? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Your word is is so powerful and we give you praise for it. Okay, that's it. Uh, The Bible is marching on and it's surprising a lot of folks. But the word of God is our, our hope and our source of life. Why don't you turn to at least three folks that you haven't seen in a while and greet them by shaking hands. Our praise team is coming. We're going to get...